0: You're listening to the Sill Podcast Perspectives on Art and Technology with Peter Noce and Harry Posner. Episode 7 Red Alert Is Your Security an Illusion?
1: Security began as a kind of a national or a group dynamic, the need for security, and became more and more individualized the closer to the present that we came, where everyone is afraid. At some point in their day, they're afraid of something happening to them their information being stolen or credit card numbers, credit cards being taken over their shoulder at the LCBO. But uh, we are concerned with security to a greater extent than we've ever been concerned with it before. And what does that mean to our psyche? What does that mean to the way we, we relate to each other? How we live our lives, how we spend our time.
0: Exactly. Do we travel with as much ease as we used to?
1: Yeah. And how do we treat our children? And what freedoms do we give them? To be in the world and and to explore. Whereas you
0: and I, when we were kids, we could just run freely in the streets and they didn't even know where we were half the time.
1: More than half the time, (laughs) right? (laughs) So, yeah, uh, uh, security, and and we're talking about how security as a major concern really hit its stride after the Second World War, Mm -hmm. after Hiroshima, when the world could be annihilated by atomic bombs. Right. And Further exacerbated by the communist fascism The whole question. Bay of Pigs, the whole Bay of Pigs threat. Suddenly everybody's afraid that uh, the bombs are going to fall. Kids are, are being taught to duck and cover in the schools. Bomb never, shelters. Bomb shelters being built. We never got that stuff as kids, really. That's uh, true. I was never taught to duck and cover. Mm-hmm in my In my primary school days, you know none of that was was brought up, but I do remember when Kennedy was assassinated, both kennedys, and in a way, for the first time, I sort of thought, "Oh, people are not secured, even in high positions. They can take out the President of the United States exactly, so security was beefing up after those assassinations, security more and more and more until you get to nine eleven and terrorism and now suddenly. No one is secure because a terrorist act is a breath away. Mm -hmm. And so we have to have cameras everywhere. We have to have screening mechanisms. Homeland security, airport security, everything is... Take off your shoes, sir. We're going to wand you. No gels and no little liquids in bottles because you don't know what that could be. Far from the time when we could go on an airplane and smoke. (laughs) You remember that? Not not that I did, but... (laughs) Yeah, sure. So we weren't as concerned... As we are now. Yeah, we could actually carry nail clippers in our bag. Yeah, or box cutters. Box cutters. <laughs> Nobody would bat an eye, right? Because we didn't feel uh, threatened threatened by outside forces. You know? mm-hmm. uh, so post 9-11, everything changed. Very true. And uh, security is everywhere. Cameras are everywhere. There is no privacy anymore because of that. And so we're living in a completely different world, psychologically speaking, than the 40s, 50s and prior to that.
0: Mm -hmm. And then you bring it into your everyday existence with computers and smartphones. Right. On the one hand, you're enjoying all the benefits that it brings. On the other hand, you're concerned about everything that you do.
1: Yeah. I just had an example today on Facebook. A friend of mine wanted me to friend her, and I'd forgotten that she was a friend of mine, and I said, oh, sure, and then it said, oh, we can't do this, and then she, the actual person, put an upload on the Facebook saying, hey, there, there's this thing going around where I'm supposedly asking you to friend me. Please ignore that. It's a scam, and wow. I already clicked on it, <laughs> so everyone is implicated in this world of internet insecurity. You don't know what's going on now. Mm -hmm. You can't trust your neighbor. You can't trust your friend. Who can you trust? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters.
0: (laughs) We all need a team
1: of ghostbusters. Do you feel secure in this world right now? How secure do you feel on a scale from one to ten?
0: Hard to say, only because my vantage point is probably a little bit different. I deal with this stuff every day in terms of... uh, people are constantly concerned with and you just mentioned like Facebook and uh, people who are utilizing websites for various things and wondering you know how much information is being filtered how much isn't how much fishing, information fishing sites phishing sites yeah right. exactly
1: right. so I'm probably not as fearful as most people that's interesting because you know the extent of it and you're not as fearful as people who don't know the extent of it Knowledge is
0: power. Well, maybe, maybe I'm not fearful, not because I don't think there's anything to be concerned with. It's just that I know the scope and scale of it all is that really the average guy in the street really doesn't have too much to concern themselves with because it's such a broad massive amount of information that is going around. There aren't enough people or machines to follow everyone and everything. Would I say that we're much more exposed than ever? I would say yes. But in reality, who cares about you? I Mm. beg (laughs) you. I resemble that (laughs) remark. I'm more concerned about the people who know less. Because it's not just the security itself. It's where they go when they feel threatened. They panic and they make matters worse. Yeah. That's what concerns me is panic Mm -hmm. uh, more than the actual problem. Much like uh, censorship. The analogy I would use is you have a school full of high school children, adolescents, and they know nothing about sex education. And they're at the peak of puberty, running rampant because they don't know what to do with all their hormones, and and no one has taught them anything. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is far scarier than children who, since the age of six or seven or eight, have been taught basics and understanding and are not afraid to ask questions and are educated to themselves, to their bodies. Mm -hmm. The problem or the challenge may be the same, but the result is going to be very, very different.
1: Right. Right.
0: So to me, the the prevailing ignorance, and when I I say ignorance, I don't mean in in a derogatory sense, but the lack of knowledge about a lot of things concerns me more Mm -hmm. than the presence of problems.
1: Right. Well, here's the other angle on this. Do you ever notice how people who are super aware of what goes into their bodies, and they're all about health and healthy living and all that stuff, often have more colds, per year than people who just live their lives and don't worry about that so much. I've noticed that if you concern yourself Extremely with something, the negative side of it will often come back and bite you for some reason. But I, I
0: don't think question. it's the concern itself, it's what the concern is causing to your body. So you're suddenly putting your body in a, in a level of stress because you're constantly preoccupied with something. Whereas the person who doesn't preoccupy themselves, their body's much more relaxed. It's like being in a car accident and you happen to be the one that was sleeping when the car hit the tree. You came out hurt, but you didn't die uh, because your body was loose and, you know, you broke a couple of teeth, but you're bouncing around, whereas the other people immediately
1: resisted because they saw what was coming, Mm -hmm. bones broke, necks fractured. And they're the ones going to be traumatized. Uh, Exactly. Because you weren't as concerned about it. You'll come away and it's just an event.
0: In fact, if you see a lot of interviews with older people, they tend to be much easier about all things in life. Including trauma, including death, including
1: tragedy. Yeah.
0: They just have a different approach.
1: Well, it also comes down to how you were raised. Yes. When you think about it, cultural aspects as well. You were raised in a household where the back of the hand was a regular thing right Mm -hmm. fairly frequent if if you misbehaved or whatever you got the back of the hand and others are even in more strict households and i wonder what that does to your sense of security as you grow older are you always in some respects looking over your shoulder for the back of the hand to come again
0: well speaking from experience i did for many years and i think i still sometimes in my behavior i have to modify it because i have to be aware of it in fact I went the opposite because that kind of treatment also makes you fearful. Yeah. But fear in itself, as you grow and if you start to learn things and teach yourself things, fear, you realize, is a huge inhibitor. So you do everything in your power to overcome your fear. And sometimes because you don't have that kind of stability, you go to a reckless level in order to overcome the fear. So as an example, I would jump off trees that I knew were too high. I would take risks because yeah.
1: I was ashamed of my fear. Right. And that's the whole crux of it, isn't it? It's all about fear. Security is intimately connected to fear. Fear of being injured. Yes. Fear of being found out. Yes. If you have secrets, fear of, of dying young, fear of losing your child, you know, all these fears add up. Fear of losing your identity through identity theft on the internet, all these things are there? Because the it. more you fear
0: something, the more you draw it to you.
1: That's right. And so, you know, artists, people like Marina Abramovich, and we've come into contact with in various ways in the last few months via her books and documentaries, etc. She's uh, one of those artists who actually plays in the fields of of fear and pain and danger. Yes, as her art which is extraordinary. But, I mean, she's an extreme example. Most artists are really trying to take chances and make themselves vulnerable. To be an artist means you have to be vulnerable. She actually did it with a lot of intent. You can't be armored. Right. She did it with intent and with openness and humanity. Mm-hmm. And that exhibition of the uh, MoMA... In New York was extraordinary. The Museum, of, Museum Modern of Modern Art. Modern Art. Yeah, she sat down for, I think it was three months, every day for eight hours in a chair and let people come and sit opposite her and just look at her and look at her in the eyes. Just gazed at as, long I, actually, as they I
0: actually saw that in a documentary the other night uh, yeah. called uh, Inse. It's an Icelandic term, right. which means from within. Uh-huh. And it was fascinating because not only did she perform, but now a lot of scientists and, and people who are doing studies on the human brain are extremely interested in the results of what she's doing. They want to actually examine people who undergo this artistic performance.
1: Mm-hmm. So in the world of art in general, you'd have to say that security has to be the last of the artist's concerns. If somebody says, I'm afraid of uh, internet shopping, and so I don't do it, is that so bad that they go to their local store and buy the book rather than doing it online? You know, no. Okay, and that it's right. not
0: that it's so bad, but that's much like saying it being 1910, and there's only one vehicle for every 45 people, and you still have your horse and buggy. Right. And you'll say, I still want my horse and buggy. I don't want the Model T. Mm-hmm. That's fine, except yeah. that you're not going to stop the progress. Eventually, the transition is going to come.
1: So in other words, to be part of society these days means to inhabit an insecure world and to enter into that world. Otherwise, you're left on the fringes. You have to kind of bite the bullet and enter that world, even though you know there's lots of sort of dangerous elements to it. You have to go there anyway.
0: Enter the world, but go in it with an open mind and a way to make it better rather than be afraid of what it can do and go into a negative spin about it. So, for example, I always go back to the same thing. And I'm a very strong believer in this education, education, education. Now, you may not like to get an education. You may not want to hear the things that you need to hear. I get that part. It's better to know than not to know has always been my position. At least, if I know, I can decide. Right. Uh, and can you step out? Sure. I mean, if you wanted to today, you could sell everything you have, uh, find a space in Tahiti, and live on a beach. You could do it. I don't know how successful it would be because you haven't been trained for that. But uh,
1: living on a beach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of training do you need?
0: Well, it's not the beach in itself. Whether or not you. I could, know how to you, lie down. You know, you yeah, a no, sun but, tank. but I mean, whether you could survive the elements, whether you're psychologically. Right, fit for that environment based on the way you've been living up to this point. Right, and that's
1: interesting. You, you make a good point, and that is that we spend more of our energies worried about being unsafe and putting up armor mm-hmm. than we do being trained to be agile to deal with it as it comes up to understand where the red alert should be taken note of exactly to respond intelligently.
0: Let's take for example. Uh, You're in a medieval camp and you're inside a castle and you've been a farmer all your life and you've never raised your hand to anyone. You've never handled a weapon and suddenly there's a horde coming at the castle and village that's going to attack you. Right. So you can obsess with the fear that you're not going to be able to do anything. But maybe it's better that I train to defend myself. Maybe it's better that I start to learn some basic mechanism by which I can deal with what's coming. And if the entire group takes that attitude, then you do form some kind of a defense. The beautiful part about that to me is, and I'm speaking very philosophically here as well, as well as practical, is that once you take that position and you broaden your base, you change the dynamic because now even the attackers have to be a little bit more careful when the way they attack because you can now defend
1: Right, but all put in kind of terms of warfare, attacked, defamed, and then you have these homegrown militias and survivalist camps that grow up, and they're kind of extreme. So the the tendency often is for insecurity to go into extremes of defensive mode, militias, etc., or the other direction over surveillance which is supposedly non-violent, but in actual fact is an invasion of our privacy big time. So whichever way you go, there there tends to be extremes that we have to watch out for. But the sad fact is that we have no more privacy. We really don't. There is no way. It's all total disclosure now. There are no secrets. There are no places where you can go. Even on that beach you're talking about. Mm -hmm. There's going to be somebody with a video camera videoing the beach, and there you are on the beach. up, Up it loads to YouTube, and suddenly there you are on YouTube.
0: Satellites everywhere, gathering information constantly.
1: Right. So where is the individual in all this? Does the individual get lost in this sea of insecurity?
0: Well, I definitely think it's easy to get lost in a sea of insecurity. As I said, a lot of what we do every day... It's all about what's in our head, regardless of what's around us. Yeah. And the more we fear, the worse it becomes. And a lot of powers that be count on this. They right. count on human beings being fearful, and they feed it. That's right. And the more we respond or react to that, the more they feed it. It's up to us as individuals. The collective is a bunch of individuals together, but the collective does not exist without the individual power.
1: That's right. You sound like a revolutionary.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm a revolutionary, but I do strongly believe in individual strength becoming part of the core strength. Look at the animal world colonies of bees, ants. The strength of the group comes from the strength of the individuals working together. That's right. So for the ant, it may be instinct. For human beings, it may be education. It may be learning. Our society has a lot of reaction. That's right. Responding is much better than reacting.
1: And that's what the natural world is. It's a responsive environment. Animals are not reacting to a threat. They're responding to a threat that is direct. They're not going to be responding to or reacting to a threat that's way over there, that is not impinging upon their
0: survival.
1: But as soon as something comes into their territory, they're on alert and they're aware. They respond to the level of the threat. But we... Are in a stage now where we are reacting to every innocent piece of information that gets put out there. For example, and we think this could be false, this could be a lie, this could be a scam. Who do you trust in this world? How do you gain trust again for your fellow human being? The Sill Podcast.
0: Perspectives on Art and Technology is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at ConnectingDotsMedia.com.